through 12. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside. And Matthew's sort of signaling to us, sorry, pause. Matthew, at this point, is sort of signaling at this point that um, Jesus is, is like Moses, who went up on a mountainside and got the law and brought it down to the people. I think my dad, when he taught, like, I don't know, a month or two or three ago, he mentioned this, right? So here's the spot. We're going to deal with where he begins. This is Jesus going up on a mountainside. There are crowds there. We'll talk about them in a little bit. And this is Matthew's, this is Matthew's way of saying, look, Jesus is like a new Moses. Pay attention to him. What was important then, oh my goodness, Jesus is going to do this new thing and it is going to be so good. Listen to these words. So Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he goes up on a mountainside and he sits down. His disciples came and gathered around him and he began to teach saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He says, blessed, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed, blessed, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We will go that far. Oh, he's just aligned himself with the prophets, by the way. So if you want to know what the prophets were about, Go read the prophets and you'll figure out where Jesus is coming from. Seriously, Isaiah, Jeremiah, those are probably the big, two biggies. Read them over and over and over again. Blessed, blessed, blessed. The Beatitudes, have you heard these things? Are you familiar with them? Most of us are familiar with them. Most of us have heard them. So this morning, we're going to do something a little bit differently. This isn't going to be a normal sermon that you normally hear from me. In other words, we're not going to go line by line. We're not going to go verse by verse. We're not going to take each beatitude one by one because there are nine of them, and this could take nine hours or nine sermons, and we don't have that much time this morning. We've got a game to watch later, right? So instead... We're going to do something differently. We're, we're going to do this differently. Uh, instead, first, we're going to begin by talking about what the Beatitudes are not, right? Next, we're going to talk about what the Beatitudes 
are. So instead of taking them verse by verse, we're going to sort of fly high and look at the Beatitudes as a whole. Occasionally, we'll dip down to ground level and we'll talk about one or two, maybe three of them, depending on how fast I speak. Uh, Maybe we'll deal with one or two, but for the most part, we're going to look at them as a whole. We're going to talk about what they are not. We're going to talk about what they are, and hopefully by the end of it, we'll be able to walk out the door and have a greater understanding of the heart of God and a better understanding of how we ought to be in the world with a little more clarity around that. Are you ready for this? So let's start by talking about what the Beatitudes are not. Because if we treat them as something they're not, we're going to mess the whole thing up and we're going to miss the whole deal. Okay? So the Beatitudes, we'll start with this. First, the Beatitudes are not Hallmark greeting cards. Like, we want to make them Hallmark greeting cards. Have you noticed how sentimental and frilly the Hallmark greeting cards are? Have you, have you read these lately, right? You get them in the mail, you're like, oh, here's the deal. There's nothing sentimental about what Jesus is saying here when he starts talking about blessedness, when he talks about happiness, when he talks about good fortune. No, no, he's not offering us a set of platitudes that will make us feel good about ourselves and make us feel good that we're remembered. There's nothing sappy or sentimental about this. These are not Hallmark greeting cards. We cannot turn them into Hallmark greeting cards. My brother and sister and I, we never send each other birthday cards in the mail anymore. And we haven't for years. Do you know what we do instead? Uh, We put a $5 bill in an envelope with a sticky note that says, happy birthday, love you. And we put that in the mail. Or we'll buy a $5 gift card to like Jimmy John's or some other cheap place and uh, we'll send that in the mail with a, with a happy birthday note, right? Or what we'll do is we'll take, we'll take $1 bills like this and we'll like fold them up in a super really fun way. Uh, and the next time we see them, like two or three days or two or three weeks after their birthday, and we'll hand it to them and we'll say happy birthday and we'll give them a hug. My sister's birthday was... Uh, two days ago, three days ago. It's only three. I owe you two. That's all I have. Happy birthday. I love you. I didn't know she was going to be here, but here's what we've decided. We've decided that an actual $5 is worth more to us than a Hallmark greeting card, a Hallmark birthday card. Are you with me? We're act- we, we, we've decided that those things are just sentimental. We'd rather just, here you go, We know we love each other. Besides, Hallmark has all the money it needs. It doesn't need any money from us. They've got all kinds of money. They make sappy shows and put it on TV. They don't need our money, right? Sentimentality. There's nothing sentimental about what Jesus is doing here. Nothing sentimental at all. These are not Hallmark greeting cards. We cannot make them this. Okay, here's the second thing. The Beatitudes are not. And this is probably the most important thing. The Beatitudes are not a to-do list. The Beatitudes are not a to-do list. So here's the deal. When we hear this word blessed, there's something inside of ourselves that makes us think to ourselves, oh, I want to be blessed. Who wants to be blessed? Oh, I want to be blessed. And then there's something else inside of ourselves. Maybe it's the same thing as the other thing, but there's something else inside of us that makes us say, what do I need to do to be blessed? Like, how do I get blessed? And then we're tempted 
because of the world in which we live, to make a list. I'm going to do all of these things, and then I will be blessed. But here's the deal. There's nothing transactional about what Jesus is saying here. There is no quid pro quo. I finally got it in a sermon. Like, we've been talking about this for nine months-ish, right? There's no quid pro quo going on here. There's no, there's no tit for tat. There's no this for that. There's no hint of if you do this, then you will be blessed. There's none of that happening here. So Jesus isn't saying that if we just try our hardest to be poorer, to be meeker, to be hungrier, to be thirstier, then God will love us and like us and bless us more. There's no to-do list happening here. Are you with me? He's just pronouncing something. He's just announcing to a very specific group of people the reality of things. We'll get to that later because that's what the Beatitudes are. Here's the third thing. The Beatitudes are not. The Beatitudes aren't there to, they're not intended to make us feel shame at all. So Jesus didn't announce these things, didn't announce the blessedness to, in order to shame us into good behavior or in order to behavior that will get us blessed Maybe, no. The point is not to hear these blessings on the poor, the hungry, the meek, the thirsty, and walk away feeling shame because we're overprivileged. No, Jesus is not trying to shame us, not trying to shame anyone because shame cripples and defeats. The last thing Jesus wants us to do is feel shame that paralyzes us. Are you with me? They're not sentimental Hallmark greeting cards. They're not a to-do list. If I just become more poor, more meeker, more da-da-da-da-da-da, then God will love me. So it's not a to-do list, and it's not intended to make us feel shame, okay? So here's what the Beatitudes actually are, and we're going to kind of dwell on this reality for nearly the rest of our time, right? because I think it's the biggest thing. If we miss this, we miss the whole Beatitudes, and we might as well not read them. Right? The Beatitudes are reversals. They're reversals. They're unexpected. The Beatitudes are reversals. They reveal to us the very heart of God and the very nature of this thing that Jesus calls the kingdom of God or God's reign in this world. Right? So in the Beatitudes, Jesus sort of describes a universe totally flipped upside down, turned on its head. A world where might makes right, survival of the fittest, fittest rules and priorities, they no longer apply here. In other words, they go against the conventional wisdom of Jesus's day and also the conventional wisdom of our own day. And I'll give you an example, the conventional wisdom of Jesus's day. I'll give you an example of that. And then you're going to say, oh yeah, that's totally the conventional wisdom of our day. So there's this, there's this ancient book called the book of Sirach. Anyone heard of this? You'll find it in the Catholic Bible. So there's this ancient book called the book of Sirach. It is an ancient book, sort of like the book of Proverbs, right? They're wisdom sayings. And this would have been written down in the year 200 BCE or 175 BCE, somewhere in there. So this book was sort of well-known, was definitely well-known while Jesus walked on this planet, and it is very likely that he knew 
about this book of Sirach and was very familiar with it. So I want you to listen with this book. This is from chapters 14 and chapter 25 of the book of Sirach. So I want you to listen to this. This is what it says. Happy or blessed is the person who meditates on wisdom and reasons intelligently. And we would say, amen, totally, yep. Those people are blessed. Blessed is the one who reflects in his heart on wisdom's ways and ponders her secrets. And then he goes on, I can think of nine of whom I would call blessed and a tenth my tongue proclaims. I won't read them all because they're all sort of similar. A man who can rejoice in his children. So a man who's got his household in order whose children obey and do the things that they ask him to do. They're not crazy kids. Like they, he's got his house in order. Oh, that one's blessed. And we would say, amen. Blessed is the one who lives to see the downfall of his foes. So one who is powerful enough to defeat his adversary. So power, blessed is that one. Goes on. Blessed is the man who lives with a sensible wife. It's patriarchal society, right? We would say wife or husband today, right? Blessed is the one who does not sin with the tongue, the one who is not served and inferior. All of these would be like, yeah, yeah. And then Jesus comes along and he says, blessed. No, no, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed, not are those who have their life together, who've got everything in order. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed, not are the powerful, the ones who make everything happen because they can. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. The meek, which means power restrained, blessed are the meek. See what Jesus is doing here? He's going against the grain. He's totally going against the grain. Instead of blessing the one who pursues wisdom and reason, instead of blessing the one who has a good family and his whole household in order, instead of blessing the one who observes all of Torah faithfully, instead of blessing the powerful, instead of blessing the wealthy, Jesus blesses the people no one else would bless. Right? The Beatitudes are total and complete reversals. The opposite of the conventional wisdom of his day and the conventional wisdom of our day. They're reversals. Now, to understand what, Je- what Jesus is doing here, we have to take a step back and understand the context into which he was speaking. So we do that by starting at chapter, one, ver- chapter five, verse one. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, stop there. The crowds, who are these people? Where did they come from? Who is it that Jesus is speaking to? So if we go back to chapter four, we learn a little bit more about who these people are. We can't just jump in on chapter five and expect to know everything. We got to do a little work, right? So who are these people? If we go back to chapter four, we learn about this. So Jesus has just begun doing his thing in and around Galilee. He's walking throughout that region. He's teaching, he's healing, uh, he's making people whole, and he's quickly gaining a reputation for himself, 
right? So people from all over the place are gathering around Jesus because they've gotten word of this guy. They're bringing their sick, they're bringing their lame, they're bringing the demon-possessed, all these people for whom Jesus, so that Jesus can heal them. In chapter four, verse 25, it says, large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. That's the crowd that Jesus saw. Jesus looks up and he sees this massive mishmash of all kinds of people from all over the place. coming. It's like this big, raw mass of humanity. It's like, boom, there they are. These are the people who have no spiritual qualifications whatsoever. These aren't the kind of people we would ask to lead a small group. No, these aren't the kind of people who know their Bible. These aren't the kind of people who who know the law, Torah, backwards and forwards. There's nothing about these people that suggests they know anything about God at all. In terms of spirituality, these people aren't on the A team. They're not on the B team. These are the kind of people who aren't on the team. They weren't given the opportunity to be on the team. These are people from the outside. These are the people who've been pushed out. These are the people that everyone else in society has said, you don't belong. These are the people, Dallas Willard, who wrote an amazing book called The Divine Conspiracy that's all about the the Sermon on the Mount. I dare you to read it. These are the people he called the spiritual zeros. The spiritual zeros. That's the crowd. The spiritual zeros. Jesus saw them. He sees the crowd. These are the kind of people that we don't normally see. Or if we see them, we avert our eyes so that we don't have to do anything about what we're seeing. But Jesus, Jesus sees them. And when he sees them, he begins to speak. He begins to teach. And the first word out of his mouth is what? Blessed. Blessed. A little more groundwork, okay? Because the word blessed that we translate as blessed is from the Greek word called makarios. Now, to the ancient Greeks, this word meant sort of this blissful contentment that rose above the ordinary human life. Any, no ordinary human beings can sort of experience this. Right? It was a word blessed that was reserved for the gods up there somewhere. Those were the blessed ones up there. And then eventually it began to be associated with people uh, who were sort of the wealthy elite. We would call them the, the top 1% today. These are the kind of people, because of their wealth, because of their power, they rose above the ordinary stress of work and ordinary life, right? Those were the people who were blessed because of their wealth, because of their power. They didn't have the ordinary stress that you and I and normal everyday people have to deal with. They were blessed. Oh, now we're getting somewhere. Now we're beginning to understand why what Jesus is saying is so backwards, is so upside down, uh, so against the grain of the conventional wisdom of his day and our day. Jesus looks at this massive mishmash of people, this mass of raw humanity. He looks at this group of people who have no spiritual qualifications whatsoever. People who are sick, who are lame, 
People who are poor, who are from the outside, who are marginalized, who've been pushed aside. Jesus looks at the people who are the lowest of the lowest on the planet. He looks them right in the eye and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What is that? That's not right. That's, that's backwards. That's upside down. These people aren't the wealthy elite. These people have no power. These people have no wealth. Jesus looks them right in the eye and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, Jesus says to them, you've been pushed out. You've been set aside. You've been marginalized. You've been separated from everyone else. You've been told that you don't belong here, that your life isn't worth it for any number of reasons. You've been told all of those things, but hear me now, you are blessed. You are blessed because the kingdom of God is available even to you. Jesus looks at the spiritual zeros, the people who know that they're helpless. He looks at the people who know that they're lost, the people who know that they can't make it on their own power. Jesus looks at them and he says, you are the blessed ones. You are blessed because God is on your side. Oh, we don't expect that. Friends, if you have little of yourself left to give away to anyone else, if your, if your passion and energy for life is largely gone, if you're inner fuel tank is just dry. It's bone dry. You, like you got nothing left. If every self-help strategy has let you down and you've only sunken deeper into depression, if you have that dull, anking emptiness inside of you and that something else inside of you that tells you that there's gotta be more to life than just this, hear me now. You are blessed. You are blessed. You are now closer to the kingdom of heaven, you're blessed. Why? Because there's nothing left to get in the way. Because there's nothing left of your will. There's nothing left of your own ego. There's nothing left of your own resources. There's nothing left to stop God from pouring himself into that vacuum you feel inside of yourself right now. You are blessed because God is on your side. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who look out at the world and see everything that is wrong with it, and it makes them mourn. It breaks their heart because it breaks the heart of God you will be comforted. God is on your side. Blessed are the meek. Like we don't, we like to think of meek as weak. Oh, it's so meek and mild. Meek is not weak at all. Meek is power restrained. Think of a, think of a dad or a mom on the ground of the living room wrestling with a three-year-old, allowing the three-year-old to pin him or her on his, his or her back. A mom or a dad allowing that. Think about power restrained. Mom or dad can pummel that little kid. Power restrained, right? Think of that. Blessed 
are the meek because those are the people who ought to be in leadership. Those are the people who ought to be in powerful positions. Those are the people who will inherit the earth. Are we getting an understanding for the heart of God or what? It's all backwards. It's all upside down. Jesus is making an announcement, a pronouncement. This is what God is about. This is what God's kingdom is about. But here's what else the Beatitudes also are. They're vocation. It's a vocation. It gives us a different posture for life in this world. Totally flips it upside down and changes everything. Gives us a different posture for life in this world. Listen to this. If we are to separate Jesus' words from his actions, from the way he actually lived his life, you know what we do? We diminish him. We cannot do that. We must interpret the teachings of Jesus, what Jesus says, through the life that he actually lived and the things that he did. Jesus pronounces blessing on the poor. He empowers. What does he do? The blessings on the poor, the meek, the hungry, the thirsty. But what does he do? He actually cares for the poor. He empowers the meek. He feeds the hungry, gives drink to the thirsty. He demands and works for justice in the world. He works really hard to make sure that everybody in this world has exactly what they need to flourish. Not just to live, not just to get by, to actually flourish and bear fruit. He looks at the systems of the world. And if the systems of the world are set up in such a way so that there are some who are not able to flourish, he speaks out against it and does everything he can to overthrow those systems so that everybody can have a flourishing life. He doesn't just speak blessing, he lives it. He embodies it, he incarnates it. He puts flesh and blood on it. Here's the deal. It's a vocation for us too. Why? Because we're Jesus people. Why? Because we call ourselves Christians. Do you know what that word really means? Christians? Anybody? Little Christs. It means little, we're little Christs. Which means each and every one of us is a little Jesus. Each and every one of us is a little Jesus in this world. And his vocation is our vocation. We together, right? A little bigger Christ, but still a little Christ. Still a little Jesus in this world, right? We're Jesus people, Jesus followers. And if this was Jesus's vocation, then it's our vocation too, right? The work of the kingdom is sharing the blessings that we enjoy. The work of the kingdom is justice. It's making sure that everybody has what they need to live a life that's flourishing. It's the work, not of someday later when we get to heaven. It's the work of the here. It's the work of the now. And if we miss it, if we ignore it, if we we just celebrate Jesus coming to earth in the form of a human being, a little baby, yay, and then we skip over the whole middle, his whole life, what he said and what he did and how it was perfectly integrated. And we just go straight to the cross and we're like, yay, I get to go to heaven someday. We've missed a whole honking chunk. We cannot miss it. The Beatitudes, it's reversal. 
Are you willing to think about how these impact your life? Are you willing to think about how we ought to live upside down lives too? Are we together willing to think about how we ought to flip ourselves upside down so that we can actually make the vocation of Jesus our own vocation? I think we have to. I don't think there's any choice in the matter. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they, they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You are blessed to give that blessing away and to work for blessing in the world. Will you do it? Will we do it? Let's pray. God, thank you for...